This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc, episode 165. Let's do this. You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael Blanc. Hey there, and welcome to the show. My name is Michael Blanc. I'm really excited that you're here today. We're all about financial freedom with real estate. And today I have a best-selling author, Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning, sold over a million copies worldwide. His mission is to elevate the consciousness of humanity, and he's definitely on his way there. That book has been translated into 34 languages, so like I said, sold over a million copies, practiced daily by over half a million people, including myself and Robert Kiyosaki. So today, he's here to talk about his next step in his mission and to take your life to the next level because he's got a new book out called The Miracle Equation, The Two Decisions That Move Your Biggest Goals from Possible to Probable to Inevitable. Now, his book, The Miracle Morning, if you haven't read it already, you need to read it immediately because it's it's one of the, like the top two, three books along with Rich Dad, Poor Dad that really, you know, and the Bible itself that really influenced me most because he has the ability to take a very intangible, fruit for new age thing and distill it into something that's actionable. I'm an actionable guy. You're probably actionable listening to this stuff. So it's super, super actionable. So I was really looking forward to his new book, The Miracle Equation, and it did not disappoint. It's really a blueprint for achieving goals. And he already shared with me on the podcast that he's already working on his next books, which will even go broader than that. But it's super, super powerful. And it's, I just love the way the two books kind of work together. And by the way, Hal, he's speaking at Dealmaker Live, end of July in Dallas. It's our annual conference. It's a multifamily event. But I wanted someone like Hal there to give us that perspective on why we're doing, not only why are we doing this, like what is the purpose of, of that? What is the purpose of financial freedom? And what is the mindset that you need to get there? And Robert Kiyosaki, I've talked about before, talks about this be, do, have thing. You have to be someone first before you can do and have. We actually talked about this on the podcast here with Hal Elrod of why that's so important and why the miracle morning is so important to help you achieve or become the right person that you need and how can you leverage that into achieving goals so you can do and have. It's such a, a powerful uh, jab, 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 right hook punch. And he's going to be speaking at Dealmaker Live. You can still grab tickets while they're still available at themichaelblank.com forward slash event. It is a multifamily event, so anyone who's anyone will be there, including myself, of course, Robert Helms, real estate guys will be there, Joe Fairless, Corey Peterson, Adam Adams, and a whole bunch of others whose names you will recognize. We're going to talk a lot about raising unlimited funds, building your brand, and scaling your portfolio. So if you're a passive investor, you need to be there. If you are a syndicator or you're an aspiring syndicator, you need to be there as well. That's the michaelblank.com forward slash event. And again, Hal is going to be there. He's going to be keynoting on one of the two days. I won't tell you right now which one because we're kind of working on that but anyway he he's had two near-death experiences which we're gonna talk about on the show and so that has given him a lot of perspective this guy has the ability to communicate powerful concepts so listen to the show here we go hal welcome to the show today hey michael thanks for having me buddy it's exciting uh, to be here yeah, it's, it's an honor really to have you on the show today. But we're just talking that you're kind of like the human crash test dummy, right? <laughs> so you had a little little run-in, right? You have like a like a stitches over your eye, right? That's crazy. What happened there? Uh, just Saturday playing basketball with my buddy, and I, I was winning nine to four. It was my ball for the game point. I don't think he wanted to lose, so uh, he gave me a little headbutt. Uh, his head was much harder than my eyebrow, and uh, it started gushing blood and. Went to the ER and had to get uh, six stitches. I'm just recovering from that. And this, yeah, if you're watching the video in the background, I came home. It was so sweet. I walk in the door and my two kids made me these signs. One says, sorry, dad, from my six-year-old. And then 
The other one says, get well soon, dad. You're a superhero. You can do it. Go you, woohoo, go dad for my nine-year-old daughter. That's awesome. Well, the sign is not your actual, <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, speaking of near-death experiences, you've literally had two of them, yeah. right? So yeah. getting a little serious, you have a little two of them. And uh, obviously you wrote about one in your Miracle Morning, the first book, and then you, you know, you talked about your second one. Can you talk about really quickly for people who ha don't know your story, kind of like what happened and maybe how it changed your life, which it clearly did. Yeah. When I was 20 years old, um, I was a top salesperson for Cutco Cutlery. So I was in direct sales. I gave up my dream job of being a radio DJ, never planned on being in sales at all. And, uh, did really well, uh, really thanks to a mentor. I had a great mentor, my manager who really, really helped me tap into my unlimited potential, if you will. You know, growing up, I was, a. Uh, I was not exceptional at anything growing up, right? I was a class clown. You know, I was a C student. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't popular. Uh, I wasn't particularly smart, you know? And um, when I was 19, I started this sales position and thought, man, why not? Like, wh why, why not now? Why not me? You know? And, and I think that for all of us, we have that opportunity at any moment to decide that I'm no longer willing to accept the level of whatever standards I've accepted up until this point, and I'm ready to go to the next level. And for me, it happened at 19. A mentor really inspired that. And one night I gave a speech a year and a half into my career, my sales career, as one of the top sales reps, they always asked me to give speeches at conferences. And uh, one night I gave a speech and it was my first standing ovation that I ever got, which made it kind of a special, memorable evening. And it would end up being a lot more memorable than I would have asked for it to be. Uh, about an hour later, I was driving home on the freeway at 70 miles an hour. And a, I was in a brand new Ford Mustang. I had bought my first new car and a full-size Chevy truck, much larger than my little Ford Mustang, drunk driver, got on the freeway going the wrong way. He got on an off-ramp instead of an on-ramp, and he was coming straight at me. I don't remember seeing the headlights. I don't know if I did. I don't know what I thought. I don't remember any of that night beyond that. And about 11.30 at night, my car was hit head-on by a drunk driver at 80 miles an hour. And after the head-on collision, my car bounced off the drunk driver and spun around sideways. And the car, the worst was actually yet to come. The worst wasn't the drunk driver, the head-on. It was the car behind me crashed into my door at 70 miles an hour, my driver's side door. And instantaneously, I broke 11 bones, including the largest bone in the human body. My femur broke in half. Half of it came out of my leg, not to get too graphic. Broke my pelvis in three places. Broke my humerus bone in half. Came out of the, my bicep shattered my elbow, severed the nerve in my left forearm, shattered my eye socket. This is all made of metal. This left eye has had a lot. <laughs> it's gone I can see that. It's getting and, a beating. Um, I was dead for six minutes in a coma for six days, flatlined two more times in the coma and came out of the coma and was told I would never walk again. And I applied this thing called the miracle equation, which yes, I didn't write about that book until just this last year, this year, but unwavering faith, extraordinary effort. I just decided that I'm going to accept the worst case scenario. And here's the lesson for people. This is how this changed my life more than anything is that I realized that every negative emotion that we've ever felt uh, are feeling now or could ever feel in our lives isn't caused by what we think it is. We, we mistakenly think that it's the things outside of ourselves. It's what happened. It's our circumstances. It's, it's people that make us feel the way that we feel. We think, well, of course I'm upset. Look at what he did or she did or she said or what I lost or of course I'm sad. Of course I'm angry. And what I realize is that every negative emotion that we've ever had is self-created and completely in our control as to whether or not we experience it and to what degree we experience it. And what I mean is this, it's not what happens to you, it's to the degree that you either accept it or resist it that determines your emotional pain.
So when something bad happens, if you resist it and go, no, God, I wish it were different. This shouldn't have happened. My life was supposed to be different. This isn't meeting the expectations I had. I had a plan. This isn't the plan, right? Those are all forms of resistance. And to the degree that we resist our reality is the degree that we create emotional pain for ourselves. The opposite of resistance is acceptance. And so I literally decided within the first five minutes of my car accident, I went, well, I can't change that I was hit by a drunk driver, but I can choose to be the happiest and the most grateful person I've ever been in my entire life while I deal with what is arguably the most difficult time and experience and challenge of my entire life. And my decision, I told the doctors, I told my dad, I said, look, if I'm in a wheelchair the rest of my life and you guys are right, I promise I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm in a wheelchair either way. Why would I let my circumstances that I don't have control over define my emotional well-being and my quality of life? I said, but I am not accepting that as my inevitable fate. Like you guys think most likely I'll never walk again and I'm going to accept that and be at peace with it. However, all of my energy is going into what I want. I visualized walking every day. I prayed about it. I thought about it. I talked about it. I've accepted the worst case scenario. So I was at peace with it. And I focused on what I wanted in my life. And two weeks later, Michael, three weeks after the crash, after I was found dead, the doctors came in with routine x-rays and they said, we don't know how to explain this, but your body is healing so quickly that we're going to let you take your first step today in therapy. And even being optimistic, I was thinking maybe I'd, take a, I'd walk in a year, not in three weeks, but it shows the power of the mind body connection. And when I had cancer two years ago, I was diagnosed with a rare cancer, given a 30% chance of living. And the day I was diagnosed, I made the same decision. I will be the happiest and the most grateful I've ever been while I go through with what is arguably the most difficult time in my life. And the cancer was by far more difficult than my car accident, mostly because I was a 20 year old single guy when I was hit by the drunk driver. And I was a 37 year old husband and father of two when I was given a 30% chance of surviving my cancer. And I had so much more to lose in leaving my kids without a dad. But the lesson was the same. There was no point in feeling sorry for myself, in feeling sad, really even in feeling scared. Yeah, there were times where I felt scared. I, just, I maintained unwavering faith that I was going to beat the cancer. And I put forth extraordinary effort to beat the cancer. And if you study the world's most successful people, those are the two decisions that they make every day. They will maintain unwavering faith. They can do anything they put their mind to and put forth extraordinary effort until they achieve the outcomes that they want. That's amazing. You have this great rule that I taught to my kids yesterday, the five minute rule. Awesome. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically get the rant, something happens, you get the rant and rave for you know five minutes and then you stop and you say, can't change it. Yeah. I learned that in my sales training and it was, it was, amazing. it was real simple. You know, we were taught, I was taught by my mentor that, Hey, sales is like life. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have disappointments. You're going to have an expectation, set a goal. You're not going to reach it. And he said, there's no point in dwelling on something that you can't change. So he taught us the five minute rule, which is yeah, you, he literally taught us logistically. You set your timer for five minutes when something goes wrong or you get bad news or whatever, and you get five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, punch a pillow, like whatever you gotta do, right? And then after five minutes, you say those three words, can't change it. And it's an acknowledgement, I can't go back in time and change what happened five minutes ago. So there's no point in feeling sorry for myself, feeling bad about it, wishing it didn't happen. Right? Why wish something didn't happen that happened? Like that's just, that's delusional, right? So the only logical choice if we want to be happy and move forward is fully, unconditionally accept everything in life once it's happened and we can't go back in time and change it and focus all of our energy on what we can change moving forward. 
Now, in your mission statement, you say that your mission is to elevate the consciousness of humanity, which is very, very broad. And I kind of credit your book, The Miracle Morning, and my ability to elevate my own consciousness and self-awareness. But what does that mean to you? You just kind of defined it. The Miracle Morning enables people to wake up each day and dedicate time to becoming a better version of the person they were when they went to bed the night before, right? This whole Miracle Morning concept stemmed from a Jim Rohn philosophy where he said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person that you become. And most people, I think, have the, this is the disconnect for our society is everybody on a scale of one to 10 wants level 10 in every area of their life, right? We want level 10 health, level 10 happiness, level 10 finances, level, we want level 10 in every area. But if who we are as a person, which is how we, I would define our level of personal development, which is our beliefs, our confidence, our, the, our overall mindset, our habits, our behaviors, our knowledge, all wrapped up into who we are as a person. If our level of personal development or our level of consciousness is at a two or a three and we want level 10 success, this is the disconnect. I want a level 10 life, but I'm a level three or level four person. And that's not a judgment on people, right? It's a simply the idea that if you want to create a level 10 life, it takes daily dedication, acquiring the knowledge and the habits and the beliefs and the mindsets and the skills of becoming a level 10 person. And when you become a level 10 person, level 10 success meets you head on. And so this miracle morning concept is the idea that you wake up every day and you do six things. So it's an acronym SAVERS, S-A-V-E-R-S. Silence, which is your meditation or prayer time to get centered and calm your, you know, lower your cortisol, lower your stress. The A is for affirmations, which I think, you know, we'll dive into that later. The V is for visualization, right? And the greatest athletes in the world visualize to put themselves in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state before they enter into the game. And before we enter the, into the game of life, right? Meaning starting your day by visualizing yourself performing at your best as a parent, as a CEO, as a salesperson, as a real estate investor, whatever it is for you. Using visualization to create that optimum mental and emotional state in the morning. The E in Sabres is for exercise. You don't have to go to the gym in the morning, but get at least five or 10 minutes of cardio. Just do some stretching, do some jumping jacks, do some yoga, right? Get your heart rate up, get blood flowing into your brain, release endorphins and serotonin. So you think clear, you feel better, and you have more energy throughout the day. The R in savers is for reading, right? We're all one book away from learning what we need to learn to transform any area of our life. And the final S is for scribing, which is a fancy word for writing or journaling to document what are you grateful for? What, you know, of all of your to-do list, you got 20 things on the to-do list today. What's the one to three things that you will commit to do before you get into your busy work of checking email that will move the needle forward in the areas of your life that matter most? Those are the six practices. And I'll wrap this up with a sentiment, not from me, but from Robert Kiyosaki, one of the best-selling authors of all time who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Last time I talked to Robert, he's read The Miracle Morning three times. He practices it almost every single day with his wife. He said it has totally changed his life. In fact, he's in The Miracle Morning documentary, which is a movie coming out later this year. When Robert interviewed me on the Rich Dad radio show, he essentially said, and I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going off memory here, but at the end of the interview, he said, Hal, before, before I read The Miracle Morning and I learned your acronym SAVERS, S-A-V-E-R-S, he said, Every successful person on the planet, including him, swears by at least one of the savers, right? They either exercise every day to get in a good mental state or physical state, right? They, they meditate. They, they do one of these things. He said, maybe they do two, maybe three. But he goes, I had never heard of anyone that was doing all six of the most timeless, proven personal development practices 
every single day. And he said, I really believe he said, that's what makes this a miracle. Like if you do one of these, it'll change your life. If you do two of them, it'll, it'll accelerate how quickly you change your life because you're changing yourself. But he said, when you do all six, you're pouring gasoline on the fire of your potential. And it just, the, the fire turns into a bonfire very quickly. And so to circle back and answer your question, right? My mission in life is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person, one morning at a time. And it's exactly what you said, Michael, this miracle morning practice is enabling you to elevate your own consciousness. And we have over a million people around the world right now from over 70 countries that do the miracle morning almost every single day, most average five to six days a week. And just like you said, they are elevating their own consciousness. And as a member of humanity, as we individually elevate our own consciousness, all of a sudden now we are a better parent for our kids. We are a better spouse for our spouse. We are a better leader for the people that we lead. We're a better version of ourselves for those we lead and those we love. And as that, that ripple effect, as you elevate your own consciousness, you can't help but elevate the consciousness of every person that you come in contact with. So your new book, talk about the miracle equation. How does that fit into your mission? How is that book uh, different or complementary than the miracle morning? Yeah. So here's a simple way to put it. Uh, well, first I'll say this. The irony is the miracle equation as a concept preceded the miracle morning by about seven or eight years. So I started practicing, living, and, and named the miracle equation when I was 20 years old. And I, start, I came up with the miracle morning when I was 26. However, The Miracle Morning was the book that I wrote and The Miracle Equation, I, you know, I wrote Miracle Morning in 2012. Miracle Equation just came out in 2019, right, this year. So they came out out of order, but they actually, it makes a lot of sense and here's why. The Miracle Morning is a daily practice for personal development. The Miracle Equation is a process for goal achievement. And the two complement each other in that way because yes, I believe wholeheartedly that your practice for daily personal development is the core foundation of you becoming the person that you need to be who is capable, qualified, and deserving of creating everything you want for your life. However, we can become what I call personal development junkies, right? Which is where you get addicted to reading and learning and growing and you mistakenly trick your brain into thinking that the knowledge in and of itself is enough, right? We've, we've, a lot of us have been guilty of that. You read a book and you're like, oh my God, this is going to change my life. But when the book's done, instead of implementing, reviewing everything in the book, right? Which is like, yeah, yeah I read it. I completed it. I get to check it off the list. Instead of going back and actually rereading it and rereading, hopefully your highlights. I talk about the miracle morning. You got to highlight and underline and write in the margins, right? Turn a book into a resource you can go back and visit and take action on. Because that's the problem. Most of us finish a, a great book and instead of going back to reread it and implement it, we just start reading the next book. And then we finish that one and we read the next book and the next book and the next book. And we gain all this knowledge, most of which we forget because you, you only have so much in your brain, so much room. When you're reading a new book, you're forgetting the old book. And what we need is a process to transform that personal development into a process for goal achievement. So great, you're learning, you're growing, you're a better version of yourself, but that doesn't turn into the achievements that you want, right? You can still shy away from your biggest goals and dreams and hide in your little miracle morning spot and read your books and stay safe. You've got to get out of your comfort zone and that's what the miracle equation is. And the last thing I'll say on this to frame this is if you're listening to this or watching this, there is kind of an equation or a formula for achievement and it's the be, do, have formula. And it's the idea that most people get this backwards and they get it backwards and they think that they tell themselves, once I have 
more time, more money, more knowledge, more friends, more connections, more whatever, more success, then I can do the things that I need to do so that I can be the person that I want. I can be happy. I can be healthy. I can, right? And we do that. We put all these things off. Like, I'll exercise when I have more time. I'll give back to charity when I have more money. I'll spend more time with my kids when my business is more established, right? So we think that we need to have something in order to do something so that we can be happy and be happy, right? It's backwards. The reality is, first you have to become the person that you need to be to then be able to do the things that you need to do so you can have the life that you want. The miracle morning is the B piece. It's how you become the person that you need to be to create the success you want. Once you become a better version of yourself, now you're more confident, you're more knowledgeable, you're more equipped to go out and do the things that you need to do, and that is the miracle equation. It's the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable. And then the next book, I'll just give you a little, a little sneak peek into the future, is going to be called The Miracle Life. And that, I don't know, that might be a year or two off, but that's what, once you've become the person that you need to be, and now you're doing the things, you're getting out of your comfort zone, you're pursuing these big, grandiose goals and achieving your biggest goals and dreams, now, how do you have not just monetary rewards where you're like, yeah, I got the money and the car and the house, that's great, but that's not what we're after. What we really want to have is fulfillment. We want to have purpose. We want to have a life of meaning, a life of giving back, right? I think it was Martin Luther King who said, I think it was Martin Luther King, he said, we can all be great because we can all serve humanity. We can all serve others. And that is what true greatness is about. And so for me, I'm kind of in that third phase of my life right now, documenting it so that I can eventually write that book when the time is ready. But, you know, first, I, the miracle morning enabled me to become the person I needed to be. The miracle equation enabled me to go after these big goals and dreams and create the life of my dreams. And now the miracle life is having a life of meaning and purpose where I am trying to elevate the consciousness of humanity, giving back to causes that mean a lot and spending more time with my family than I ever have before. Yeah, I love that. I have a chance to hang out with uh, Robert Kiyosaki, last three real estate guys cruises. And I nice. can tell you, last time, so this was two times ago, he's a little rough around the edges if you ever heard him speak, <laughs> yeah, right? Yes. And so that the, my first impression was, oh my gosh, you know, what's going on here? And then uh, last year, he actually was quite a bit different. And he actually talked about your book. Wow. And one of the things that was different was that he had been meditating. He had been he had been practicing the Miracle Morning and he was a much different person. Yeah. And he talks about be, do, have a lot. Oh, does he? Uh, oh, so, I, I should know yeah, that. And, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and uh, yeah, so he, he acknowledged uh, that uh, he's working on himself. They're talking about that be, do, have part. But back to the miracle equation, though, it, it seems to me the miracle morning is more like an introspective or intro inside you looking. And then the miracle equation is almost, okay, now that you are or you're worked on it, it's now outward, more outward focusing. And it is more of a goal setting thing. Yeah. But it goes much deeper than that. I think one of the problems we all have with goals, and you kind of talk about it, is goals you either achieve and then and then you're happy or you don't achieve and you're sad yeah and what you're talking about is actually not so much about achieving the goal though that's nice to have it's about something else talk yeah. about how i mean the way, i love the way you talk about it because but the way you put it is you can never fail ever again yeah so the purpose of a goal most of us mistakenly view this as this black and white succeed or fail mentality right i set a goal in order to hit it and if i don't hit it either i am a failure or i have failed right and what that does is it, it causes most of us to keep our goals small and achievable because human beings, human nature is to seek certainty. And most of us, 
we might have these big goals and dreams, but it's a lot safer to just keep doing what we've always been doing. Because most of us, we have a, a kind of a rear view mirror in our subconscious mind. We check the rear view to see what we're capable of. And you have to think about it. Every person on this planet that's achieved extraordinary results, when they check the rear view, there was nothing there, right? I mean, nobody was born, right? Michael Jordan wasn't born shooting jumpers, right? I mean, Elon Musk wasn't born making electric cars, right? They all had to step out on the faith they could do something they'd never done before. And so here's the idea that the real purpose of a goal is not to hit the goal. The real purpose of a goal is to develop the qualities and the characteristics of a goal achiever, of someone who can achieve bigger and better goals each and every time you set out. So when you realize that, okay, so if I set a real significant goal and I understand that if I don't hit the goal, but I give it everything I have and I'm more committed and I work harder and I'm more dedicated than I've ever been before toward any goal in my life, well then who you become on the journey to achieve that goal, the value in your development, in your growth, far exceeds whether or not you hit that individual goal. Because if you, let's say you, you, you give it everything you have and you actually fall short of the goal, right? You, you missed the goal. You were shooting for 100K in income for the year and you only made 80, right? But you literally had more discipline, more commitment, more consistency, right? The qualities that will enable you to achieve goals. You develop those at a level you never had before. And then you're like, yeah, I fell short of the goal, but I'm going to pivot. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to tweak. I know what I did wrong, but damn, I'm a different person than I was when the year started. And now I get to take this version of me into not only my goals for this year, but for the rest of my life. And if you keep duplicating that process, then every time you set these big grandiose goals that the rear view mirror has no evidence you can achieve, you're stepping out on faith, which is the first decision of the miracle equation, right? Well, now every goal you attempt, you could literally fail to achieve your next five goals. You could fall short of all five, but you are like, you are such at a different, you're at such a different level than you were when you set out. So the idea is some goals you hit, some goals you miss, but what matters more than any individual goal is developing the qualities and the characteristics that are beyond what you currently possess so that you become a more capable version of yourself every single time you approach and pursue a goal, whether you fall short, whether you exceed it, whether you hit it right on the nose, the end result is much less consequential. The goal is just a target to shoot for. I love it. So powerful, Hal. And I, I thank you for sometimes you, you feel something, but then you read it verbalized or written down in some way. It takes a lot of the pressure off. Sure. It takes a lot of pressure off you having be so maniacal about a goal. So, so I, I love that. Now let's get back into the two decisions. I agree that when I study people who are very successful and some who are not, the ones who are successful made certain decisions that they've done. And, and they, frankly, continue making decisions every single day. You talked about two of them. Yeah. Let's break them down. One is unwavering faith. You talked about stepping out in faith. The other one, extraordinary effort. Let's talk about, I mean, I think the extraordinary effort, you go in great detail about giving us tools to do that. On one degree, we kind of get it. We know we have to do something to achieve something. It's kind of the, the American way. Yeah. But the unwavering faith, that's a little bit different one. Why is that kind of an unnatural thing for people to do? And what's behind that? Yeah. And I think unwavering faith, I don't know if it was called unwavering faith, but faith was talked a lot about in the book Think and Grow Rich, right? Which came mm. out in, I think, 1937 or 38. I mean, we're going on, you know, 80, 100 a year, getting close to 100 year anniversary for that. One of the greatest books of all time, right? And so, you know, they say there's no new ideas. And for me, I came up with this concept about six years before I read that book. And then when I read it, I went, you know, it's one of those things where it affirms something you already know or you already live, right? And I'm like, oh, 
this is my miracle equation thing. I guess I didn't invent the faith part like Napoleon Hill did, right? Um, but here's the idea is that, again, we are creatures of habit. We tend to just keep pursuing and repeating our same life over and over and over and maybe incrementally improving. Like, I'm going to go for a 10% increase this year on my income or my revenue or whatever. I'm going to get a little better. And the idea is that with unwavering faith, the first time I applied this, I was in a sales contest. I was trying to break a company record and it felt nearly impossible. It, was, it had never been done before in the 50-year history of the company. So this wasn't an incremental improvement on something that, had, you know, that I had done. It was like no one had ever done this in 50 years. And I think there had been over a million sales reps in the 50-year history of the company. So I'm trying to do something never been done in 50 years. And so I asked myself, how might I fail? I, I kind of reverse engineered it. You know, there's something in the military called planning for contingencies, where when they plan a mission, they don't just plan the perfect mission. They go, okay, what could go wrong? Let's think of everything that could go wrong so that if it does go wrong, the likely scenarios, we have a contingency plan of how to approach it, how to pivot, how to twist, how to right, overcome it, whatever. And so for me, I asked, what could prevent me from reaching this seemingly impossible goal? Which is why, by the way, it's why it became called the miracle equation because I thought it would be a miracle if I achieved, that's literally why I called it the miracle equation. It'd be a miracle if I achieved this, right? And so here are the two things I decided could prevent me from reaching my goal. And if you're a human being, these are the same two things that will prevent you from reaching your goals as well. The first one is giving up the faith that it was possible. I thought, I'm going to try to reach this goal that feels impossible. And if I have a bad day or, you know, where I, I, I go out and I do five appointments and nobody buys for me, or if the first week out of the, it was only a 10 day sales contest. If the first week I'm off track, you know, I'm going to feel discouraged. I'm going to think, man, there's no way, there's no way I can make up for this in only three days. So I thought the first decision I've got to commit to is I've got to maintain unwavering faith that I can reach this goal regardless of my results along the way. And it's important if you're listening to this, like that's an important piece, regardless of your results along the way, because our results being less than what we expect is what will throw us off, right? That seed of self-doubt is planted and then we water it with our attention. We go, oh wait, I'm not on track. Wait, maybe I'm kidding myself. Wait, what if things don't get better? Uh-oh, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? And then that seed of self-doubt that starts like a little seed, it grows and it expands and it blows our head up and we give up, right? And so I thought, I've got to maintain unwavering faith. And, and, and for anybody listening that goes, that sounds kind of woo-woo, right? Like maintain faith, what, like faith in, in what? A higher power or in God or in, in like, you know, the law of attraction. Like what's this faith thing? You no, know, I'm very practical and results oriented. I am very unwoo-woo, even though a lot of my terms, they cross over, right? Miracle and such. The way that I'm talking about faith is faith in the one thing that you have total control over. And that is faith in yourself. It's faith in your ability to do everything in your power to reach a goal. Everything within, you know, your moral compass, of course, but everything in your power to reach the goal. And so here's how I did it in very simple terms. I just decided on kind of a mantra, like a one sentence affirmation. I said, I wrote this down and I carried it with me in my pocket for all 10 of those days. And whenever I had self-doubt, I would pull it out and I would literally read it out loud. In fact, I would roll my windows down in my car and I would shout it out loud. And it said, it would it essentially said, I am committed to giving it everything I have to reach this goal, regardless of my results, no matter what, there's no other option. I'll say that again, because that was the, I said, I am committed to give it everything I have to reach this goal, regardless of my results along the way, no matter what, there's no other option. And here's the thing, our focus directs our behavior. So if you lose the faith that your goal is possible and you go down that rabbit hole of self-doubt, there's no point. In fact, the second decision of effort, it goes out the window because if you're not on track, 
Why are you going to try if you don't really believe you can do it? So you have to control your thinking. That's the first step. And it's, you know, I'll give you one other example. My goal was to sell a million copies of the Miracle Morning the year that it came out. And Michael, and and it was, it was actually written in more of a mission form. It was to change 1 million lives one morning at a time. The way I would do it was by selling a million copies. Do you know how many copies I sold the first year? Probably not a million. 10, just around 10,000. So if you're watching, think about that. That's 990,000 copies short of my goal or 99.9%. And here's the deal. When you live by the miracle equation and you maintain unwavering faith, you can achieve your goal and you put forth extraordinary effort, which I'm going to define in a second because it's not as simplistic as you think. Or I should say it's simple, but not easy. It's not just work hard like that. It's not work hard. There's a little more to it. But anyway, the point is this. I committed to apply the miracle equation to the miracle morning. And after year one, I went, well, gosh, I am 99.9% short of my goal. And then I realized, okay, let's assess what happened. Well, maybe the time frame was unreasonable. And that really is what it boils down to. When you live by the miracle equation, the only variable is time. There's virtually nothing that you can't achieve. So for me, I was 99.9% short of my goal, but I still maintained unwavering faith that I would change a million lives one morning at a time. And I committed to put forth extraordinary effort for as long as it took. That first year, I did over 150 podcast interviews. I did over 36 speeches. I did over 12 television interviews all over the country. I put forth extraordinary effort and I committed to keep doing it. And it took me six years to reach the goal. But one of the most valuable lessons that I learned in those six years that I'll share with all of you is that when you finally get to the point in your life or your business that you've been working so hard for for so long, the timing is always perfect. You never wish it would happen sooner. Instead, you look back at your journey and you go, oh, it was supposed to take me six years. I had to go through everything that I went through, including the ups, the downs, the challenges, the setbacks, to become the person that I needed to be that was capable of creating the results that I, that I eventually got to. And so that first decision, unwavering faith. The second decision is extraordinary effort. And let me just break it down in very simple terms. If I were defining it in one word, it is consistency. Most people are not consistent doing the same thing over and over. They get bored. They chase the next squirrel, the next rabbit, right? And the idea is I committed to sharing the miracle morning with other people. For, and I remember in my head, I don't know why this number came to mind, but after that first year when I fell short, I went, maybe it's going to take me 30 years. But I'm committed until. I, I don't care how long it takes. And that's extraordinary effort is, think about this. This sounds too simple, but please don't miss it. If you maintain unwavering faith that you can reach a goal and you just every day you speak into existence that you're committed to give it everything you have to reach this goal. And if your extraordinary effort is as simple as doing one thing every day, calling on one property, sending one email, right? Evaluating one property. If your goal is to do one thing, just one, maybe it's only 30 minutes a day, but to do it for as long as it takes. And let's say your goal is to make a million dollars a year or to be financially free and retire. Who cares if it takes you one year or four years or 10 years? When you get there, you're going to look back and go, forget looking back. You're going to look down, up, around and go, dude, I did it. I did it. I did it. And I don't care how long it took. I maintained unwavering faith and I put forward extraordinary effort for as long as it took. Well, the 99% of society, they didn't maintain the faith they could do something they'd never done before. And if they started with that faith, as soon as things didn't go their way, they threw the faith out the window, the effort went right after, and they went back to accepting 
life as they knew it, and I'm not judging that as good or bad, only you can judge as good or bad. If you're totally satisfied with your life as it is now, keep living it. But if you know that you're capable of more, and if you want more, if you want financial freedom, if you want time freedom, there are only two decisions standing between you and everything that you want, and those two decisions are to establish and maintain unwavering faith and put forth extraordinary effort and to do both consistently over an extended period of time for as long as it takes. And you can not fail if that's how you approach your goals. That's amazing. I just love how you break things down so easily. And this is one of the reasons that the Miracle Morning just had such a big impact for me. I always struggled, struggled with you know, my morning routine. What do I do exactly? And what sequence? And how do I do these things? And you kind of break it down. It's very fundamental. In fact, one of my favorite quotes is this quote. I got to take it off my wall here by Tony Robbins. It's called, in your moments of decision, yep. destiny, destiny shaped. shaped, right? I love and, it. And, and so this is, an old, this is it's, it comes down to a decision point. But once again, you just make it very actionable. You're saying, okay, decision, that's true. But you kind of break it down to, hey, unwavering faith. Here's how you do it. Here's why it's important. Here's extraordinary effort. I love that. Also in the book, I, I just love this. You, you talk about the SAVERS acronym that you talked about earlier. Which of those, how many, five letters or six, I don't, whatever. Six. Six. <laughs> What's your favorite of those? Uh, it's, you know, the, the politically correct answer, I think, would be they're all equally important. And in some ways they may be, but I have a personal favorite. Uh, and that is affirmations. And the funny part is affirmations probably at first when somebody hears that word, I think it has the least credibility. People go affirmations. Oh, what? Like saying I'm happy. I'm rich. I like you're just lying to yourself. So you feel better. There's two problems with affirmations. Number one is that we've been taught to lie to ourselves and just say, I am followed by something you aspire to be, but that you're not yet. And the problem with that is the truth will always prevail. So if you say, I am wealthy, I am wealthy, I am wealthy. If you're not wealthy, your subconscious goes, no, you're not. You're lying, right? And you're going, you're fighting with yourself going, no, shut up. I'm doing my affirmations, right? The second problem with affirmations is that we're taught to use this flowery passive language that makes us feel good in the moment, but doesn't produce measurable results. So I'll give you an example of a, a very popular affirmation that's very woo-woo that's been taught for I don't know, decades, centuries, I don't know how long. And you may have heard this one before, some variation. And it is, I am a money magnet. Oh, yeah. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. Oh, yeah. And that's not actually how money works. Um, you actually have to do something to attract money into your life, right? You've got to put value into the world, add value into the marketplace, create value that then people will compensate you for. It doesn't happen like a magic money magnet because you made a vision board on your wall, right? Now, can those things aid in your focus or what? Sure, but you got to work your butt off to, right, to generate extraordinary results. It requires extraordinary effort, the second decision in the miracle equation. So here's my four-step formula for creating affirmations that are practical, that are actionable, that are rooted in truth, and that are designed to program both your subconscious mind and influence your conscious decisions and actions and behavior so that you produce measurable results that the affirmations basically are a blueprint of. You're just, an affirmation is a written statement that is designing both your internal and your external world, and then you read it every day and you live in alignment with it. Here are the four steps. Number one, what you're committed to. Not what you want. Don't say, I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. Uh, who cares what you want, right? We all want everybody, you know, people that buy lottery tickets want to be rich. They're not going to be rich just because they want it. 
we get what we're committed to in life, right? And so it's a very big difference between phrasing an affirmation where you say, I am a millionaire, trying to trick yourself into believing it versus I am committed to becoming a millionaire, right? Very different. What you're telling your subconscious, not I am a blank, I am committed to becoming a blank. Very slight difference in language, profound difference in the message you're telling yourself. So number one is affirm what you're committed to. Number two, affirm why it is deeply meaningful to you. So when I was 20, I started in sales. My manager was earning a million dollars a year and I thought, man, I'm going to do what he's doing. And so I set a goal to be a millionaire by the time I was 25. When I was 25, I don't think I had $10,000 saved. And I reassessed and I went, man, okay, let's just, I just got to move the goalpost. And I went to 30. I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. And by the way, my reasons were because I thought it would be cool to be a millionaire and be able to buy stuff that I wanted, right? It wasn't real meaningful. It was just kind of surface level. I turned 30. I still didn't have, you know, maybe had 10 grand saved at that time. I'm not sure. I don't even think, I think it was more in debt actually. That was after the crash. So I was actually 50 grand in debt, I think. Um, lost my house at that point. So I was in worse condition, but then I had a baby. I had my, my wife and I had my daughter and I got a deeply meaningful why. And it was in writing now, I'm committed to becoming financially secure and financially free because my wife and daughter count on me as the sole provider. And I, I want to give all of us, the three of us, the financial security and freedom that we desire and that we deserve. And once my why had legs, right? Once I had a deeply meaningful why, it got me out of bed in the morning. It, it literally, I got clarity on what I needed to do and I was willing to do what it took. And then five years later, you know, I, that result was, was a reality. The third step is which actions activities, routines, rituals, what are the actions that you're committed to doing that are necessary to reach your goal, right? So what actions are necessary to reaching your goal? So if you want to lose weight, right? And in the book, I go into in-depth on what I call your process, right? Which is every result is preceded by a process. And if you commit to the process without being emotionally attached to your short-term results, eventually everything works itself out, right? It just takes a matter of time. So step three is getting clear on what are the actions and then every day when you read affirmations, affirm which actions will make your goal achievement inevitable. And then the fourth step is where the rubber meets the road as my coach used to say, and that is simply when are you committed to taking those actions? So instead of saying, I'm a millionaire because I'm a money magnet, money flows to me like a magic carpet. No, you say, I am committed to becoming a millionaire. If you want to even add in by blank day, you can get real specific, right? because I want to provide financial freedom for me and my family. So therefore I will debt. And maybe you don't even know exactly what to do at this point. Maybe right now you're just going to dedicate 30 minutes a day to reading books on finances, to attending the dealmaker live event, right? To learning what you need to learn. Maybe right now you don't know, have the knowledge yet. So right now your process is gaining the knowledge. That's step one, right? But that's part three is I'm committed to working on this area of my life, working on this goal, doing these things. And I will commit to doing those Monday through Saturday from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., right? So I'm giving you just a template, but those four steps allow you to create an affirmation that's not woo-woo, that's not, you know, rooted in, not tricking yourself. It's rooted in truth. It's affirming your unwavering commitment. It is putting forth that extraordinary effort and, and articulating what is that and when will you follow through with that? And now you have an affirmation that's a blueprint. And as long as you live in alignment with that affirmation, it's only a matter of time before your goals move from possible 
too probable, too inevitable. And in the miracle equation book, of course, I take that formula and then I filter the miracle equation, you know, through it and, and how to apply it. Yeah, it's, it's just an, a natural way to set goals. And I took quite a bit of notes because I do goal setting as well. I'm going to rephrase my goals because you're right. A lot of times we think that goal setting is lying to ourselves, lying or deceiving ourselves, faking until we make it. So yeah. I, I love the way that you've kind of re-articulated that as well. How can people find this book? The Miracle Equation. Miracle Equation is where all books are sold and Miracle Morning is self-published. So it is on Amazon, Kindle, Audiobook, Audible, those sorts of places. But uh, yeah, Amazon's probably the best place to, to buy any of those books. Hal, thanks for being on the show today. Awesome. Yeah, my pleasure, Michael. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to uh, see you at Dealmaker Live. Oh my gosh, so powerful. You can tell that Hal operates and achieves at an enormously high level. It's unbelievable. So you need to buy and read his book, The Miracle Equation. And I'm going to revisit kind of what we talked about where we ended. The affirmations are so powerful and, and I'm just reworking my goals, rephrasing those goals in light of reading that book. Again, he's got such a knack for communicating concepts that you kind of feel maybe intuitively, but you can't put your finger on, you can't articulate it, and he's done that. So I just love the way that he frames goals. And he turns into affirmation. So let's go through it right now. Okay, so this is for the multifamily syndicator. All right, so let's assume that you're male, you're the primary breadwinner in the family, and you can't see yourself working for another 10, 15, 20 years. And you're thinking, hey, I got to get out of this. I need, I need me some financial freedom. And I'm thinking real estate investing. And that's really where we are right now. If you're thinking that, this is where... I can help you. This is where we can help you. This is where our resources can help you achieve that goal. And so let's assume that's where you are right now. I'm going to, I'm going to go through the affirmation exercise that he has in this book and how would we craft affirmations that we can exercise during our miracle morning. Okay. So the first one is kind of the miracle mantra. That's four pieces. The miracle mantra is what are you committed to? It's the what, what are you committed to? And yes, it's a goal, but it's really what you're committed to. So here it goes. And he has this template in the book as well. So I'm committed to maintaining unwavering faith that, all right, that's the template. I'm committed to maintaining unwavering faith that I will be financially free. And you can add a time frame, even though as we're talking about a show, it's not nearly as, as important as what you're committed to. All right. So I'm committed to maintaining unwavering faith that I will be financially free. All right. And that's the, that's the variable. That's the blank that you put in. I will be financial free. And then it goes on. And I will continue putting forth extraordinary effort until I do, no matter what, there is no option. I need to, I'll love to talk regardless of the outcome. Okay. I'm committed to maintaining unwavering faith and putting in extraordinary effort until I do, no matter what the goals or outcomes, there is no other option. That's a powerful affirmation. And yes, it incorporates a goal, but it's no so much about achieving that goal. It's about the commitment to that goal. Very, very, very different. So I love that. Why? Hal talks about the why. And I had a very weak why when I set out to, to seek financial freedom with my, my restaurants. I had a bunch of money from a software IPO. My goal was financial freedom because it's a good thing. And yes, maybe I was somewhat selfless because I would take care of my family. I don't know. I don't know. I think my heart was not in the right place. It was definitely about the money. And Hal had that same thing. It's got to be something more meaningful, bigger for you, right? So the second one is, what is the reasons I'm committed to? So the template says, the reasons I'm committed to my mission of becoming financial free is because having financial freedom will allow me to provide for my family and spend time with them so that I can be the best father and husband, okay? So that could be a good, a good why. We're missing our children grow up we don't have a good relationship with our, with our wife or our spouse. 
it's not financial freedom per se, is what does it allow you to be? So why? What is the, why is the reason I'm committed to that mission? Number three is the level of commitment. This is a very, very actionable, okay? So here's how it goes. To ensure that the attainment of my mission is inevitable, I will remain committed to my process of analyzing one deal per day and then when during my lunch hour without being emotionally attached to my results. Okay, so again, to ensure that the attainment of my mission is inevitable, I will remain committed to my process, which is, and he talks about this in this book, and I'm just giving you what it is in our context. I will remain committed to my process of analyzing one deal per day during my lunch hour. Obviously, it's going to vary for you. It could be two deals a week or whatever the case may be, and it could be in the evenings. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's kind of where you talk about what you are committed to without being emotionally attached to my results. In fact, if you join our mentoring program, we talk a lot about activity, not about outcome in the first 90 days. It's super, super. You're really committed to the process and not so much on the outcome. And then he ends with this. I'm committed to my mission and living every day as the best version of myself because I know that I'm just as worthy, deserving, and capable of creating miracles and achieving everything I want as any other person on earth. Wish you all the best in your financial career and your, your life. And I hope and pray that you develop unraving faith and take extraordinary efforts to achieve your goals and hopes and dreams. Catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.